like I say, for me, hiding it from people was causing anxiety. Um, when you speak to someone and share your problem, it's quite empowering because now I've escaped that anxiety. I've shared it with someone. It's like a weight off my shoulders. I haven't got to hide it. It's a huge weight in it. So that'll be empowering in itself. Um, and then the second reason for doing that for me is just because when you are literally at the lowest of the lows, just knowing that someone cares can be enough to keep you going. Welcome to the Prime Life Project podcast place to help you unlock your full potential both mentally and physically to become the best version of you welcome back to an episode of the primal project podcast the place to help you both mentally and physically become the best version of you today i'm delighted to introduce a very very good friend of mine i've known this gentleman for a very long time we're going back to my football days we're going back to when I was at college. I was a completely different person, and so was he. <laughs> and he reached out to me the other day on Instagram, and he basically mentioned about coming on the podcast. And I think my response was something along the lines of, no offense, but what can you really bring to the show? And, because he's got into what he actually does in a second. <laughs> uh, and then he goes, let's just meet for a coffee. Uh, two hours later, we met for a coffee, and I was like, mate, you need to come and share this. So uh, I've got a gentleman with me today, Mr. Dave Langsdale. How are we? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me oh, on. It's an absolute pleasure. And I said, you've not spoken about this topic before. It's something very close to your heart. And this is why I was so shocked. I've known you for years. And the stuff we're going to talk about today, I've had no idea. Uh, again, you're a natural pro bodybuilder, which in and of itself is an incredible achievement. And that's why what I thought you wanted to talk about. <laughs> so then when you were like, no, mate, I know what you're about. And I think I've got some value to add. And then we sat down. Yeah. I couldn't believe the stuff you've gone through. So let's just go back. Let's just take it back. <laughs> what was life like for you growing up? Because that's kind of where things started for you yeah. when it comes on to your journey. And yeah. it all kind of fits in nicely. Because what tends to happen is people have had like things happen here and there. But for you, it kind of did really all start at childhood. Yeah. So can you take my audience back to your childhood and what life was like for you growing up? Yeah. So basically, um, I was born in New Zealand and um, both my parents are English. They got married in England. And when they got married, they moved to New Zealand together. Um, I was three years old living in New Zealand and my parents break up. My mum left New Zealand to be back around her family back here. And so I grew up with my mum in England, my dad on the other side of the world. Um, and then going forwards after that, my mum remarried. And then as a result of that, I can say that my childhood probably wasn't full of a lot of love. It was a childhood um, which um, involved a lot of fear, fear of being at home. Um, yeah, and through those years, obviously saw what this was doing to my mum as well. And my mum was living in fear and it took a lot of courage and strength from her to kind of get out of that. Um, and then the toll that takes going into your adulthood, I probably wasn't aware of at the time as much, but then... Were you, you were you aware that something wasn't quite right though? So at a young age, because I think it's interesting for all the parents listening to this. So taking yourself back to yeah. being a child there, were you aware of this fear or like, what was it like? How were you kind I of would, living I, day to day? Yeah, I was aware that I was like fearful of being at home and I'd spend weekends wanting to try and like get myself an invite around a friend's house and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of what it would do to me in my later years, you're never aware of at the time. And also, even though you realize like, okay, I'm scared of being at home, I don't think you generally realize that what you're going through at home is so out of order. Mm. 
So in terms of like now I've had times where you like see a 10 year old boy and I'm thinking that's just a little boy. Like how can a grown man mm. be treating someone so young mm. the way I was probably treated through my childhood? Um, you don't know any different. Like you said, like you, you think exactly. that everyone's kind of going through the same. You think it's yeah. the norm. Yeah. And again, especially with your mum, like someone that you love yeah. and respect and is there to look after you. Yeah. It, you kind of just like, well, she's okay with it. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. I just kind of get on with it kind of thing. I like just keep your mouth shut and crack on. Was it that sort of vibe? Kind of. I think my mum knew that um, she, she was with someone that was causing me a tough childhood. Um, but like I say, she had her own fears and getting out of that was a lot harder for her than I realized at the time. Um, so yeah, what I say is like, and then it's when you're older, you start to then start to realize what this has done to me in terms of confidence, in terms of um, what I want from life going forwards. And it's only as you get older and you become a bit more emotionally intelligent that you look back and go, oh, that's happening because I went through that when I was so much younger. Have you had a conversation with your mum about all this stuff from what happened in your childhood? Have you had like an open, honest conversation about the stuff that you saw and how you felt? Or has it just been something that's kind of been brushed under the carpet? Um, to be honest, like me and my mum have a great relationship now. So yeah, we can then talk openly with each other about everything. Mm. Uh, not just from how things were from my point of view, but also how they were from her point of view. Mm. Hasn't always been like that, which is tough because you can live with a little bit of frustration. But I'm very happy that now I have a relationship with my mum where I can talk about that stuff. And one thing I will say is you grow up with a frustration. Like I could easily go, oh, she's taken me away from my dad or she's put me in this situation. But we know now as adults that everyone's not perfect. Everyone wants to be loved and everyone, you know, is mm. craving kind of the same thing. And you, um, your mum's going for her own, like you said, she's going for exactly. her own journey. And she was yeah. doing what she thought was yeah. best yeah. for not just her, yeah. for you as well. Exactly. And that's a big thing as an adult to realise, Yeah. wow, she was struggling too. I had yeah. no idea. Because I imagine you put so much blame on her. I imagine at a certain point, it's almost a bit of resentment. Yeah, I feel like when you're younger, well, for me personally, you kind of see your parents and you think they've got to be these perfect people. And what I now realize looking back is my mum was younger then than I am now. And I'm still making mistakes. I'm still like looking for things in my life and she would have been exactly the same. Mm. So from that standpoint, I'm just very like in awe of my mum more for the fact that she was strong enough and had the character to get out of it. Mm. And then for what she has had to face since then as well. I think it's a real powerful thing. Give me goosebumps you hear now. I think your mum actually listening back to this. I know she'll be listening to this. Yeah. That's a powerful thing to hear because she probably has not heard you say those words. Like the fact yeah. you're actually proud of like her doing, going through that and actually coming out the other side because that shows real strength. Yeah. Because it's easier to stay in that situation. And we know what that's like now as an adult. Like we, we've both been in situations where we've potentially stayed longer than we should have done. Exactly. But actually when you've got a, a child there as well, yeah. it makes it 10 times harder because yeah. you're not just uprooting your life. You're exactly. You're causing instability. At, at the time, she's doing the right thing that she feels in that moment, the right thing for herself and the right thing for what she felt for us. And... Um, yeah, so I have nothing but respect and obviously love for my mum and she's been through a lot and she's a stronger character for it as well that I can talk to about those things. Mm. How was your mum now? Like when she came out, obviously as an adult, looking back, like how was your, your mum when it comes to um, like dealing with those times? Because we said like your journey and how you've come on, but again, a bit of a side note here, like how's your mum's journey since that whole situation? Is she doing well now? Like what was the, the sort of story with that? Yeah, she's like good now, but she's again like, 
as a caring son, you're always going to hope that she's okay. Like she's on her own now and stuff and happily so. So, but I will always check in on her. I try and see her like weekly and mm. stuff, make sure she's okay. She did have years in say my young adult years where um, she was suffering really bad with depression, whether we want to call that guilt and stuff, mm. you know, from the decisions she'd made and what she'd seen like myself go through and everything. And um, also my younger brother as well, um, more so. And um, so, yeah, she did suffer for many years with depression. Obviously, I saw that. And um, as we've spoke about as friends before, you know that I moved to Australia. And even, and that was only, a f what, that was 2019. Mm -hmm. Before I moved there, like, I remember one moment where she came to me and she just burst out crying, saying, can I give you a hug? I feel like I've always done wrong by you. So there you can see straight away what's going on in her head. And I'm the other side of that. I'm thinking, no, you haven't done wrong by me. Mm -hmm. Like you've done what you felt was right at the time and I admire you for everything that you've done and how strong you've been. As you mentioned as well, like looking back as the age we are now and the stuff that you went through, again, younger than how you are now, that yeah. is a big thing to sort of deal with. And again, I don't think it's any wonder that again, potentially she did suffer with depression because again, our parents' age don't talk about mental health. It's not really yeah. a thing. And I think they kind of suffer in silence for a long, long time. <clears throat> Excuse me, especially with some stuff the mum was going through. Like I don't think it had been a thing that happened outside of that I think it would have slowly gradually gone downhill like me and my mental health and my depression it looked like an overnight thing but it wasn't it took a yeah. long time for it to sort of manifest itself and it probably been the same with your mum when she was by herself yeah you kind of have to face some demons and it's not very easy yeah, to do that yeah exactly and that's one thing I've known from my experience is that it's never in the moment that you feel like something's wrong. It would be on reflection. So if I use my childhood as an example, she's gone through many years like in fear, upset about the way I'm being treated and stuff like that. And she's probably bottled it up, just getting to buy day by day. And then it's years later on reflection that she's still got their memories in her head and she's on her own now and this isn't all going on and she's thinking about it more and more and obviously it's took its toll and like you say then that's when she's become more depressed mm. i just want to quickly link it back to when you're saying about um not enjoying being at home because i remember when we were speaking before um that you said you used to walk the streets yeah can you talk to me about that because that's that for me as like a 10 year old how old you were at that time yeah. just roaming the streets obviously i know it's it was a lot more common back then like kids used to actually yeah, play yeah. outside but what was kind of going on internally, like your 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 internal monologue at that time, like when you were walking the streets, like what were you doing? Because it's very easy, I feel, for people in that situation, especially kids, to go down the wrong path, yeah, to get in with the wrong crowd, just to not be at home. So, yeah, can you just take me back to like where your sort of head was at at that time when you were roaming the streets? We just literally try not to be at home, or was there other things that were going on? Yeah, so say it was times where all your friends are at home and they're I don't know having dinner and stuff like that, like and no one's around to kind of like play football with or whatever. I do remember times like say in school holidays and stuff where I was like, my mum's not at home. She's not home from work yet. I just don't want to be at home mm. um, because of the way I might be spoken to, the way I might be treated. And yeah, so I'd just literally just be walking the streets in my own, own little world because that was a lot more peaceful than being at home. Mm. So we talk about that, like how you were spoken to, how you were treated. How did that affect your confidence? Because... I think I said this to you when we were in the, the pub. Um, 
I don't drink, by the way. We're having, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, both, yeah, both coffees. Um, we were talking about how we, uh, when I first met you at, yep. at college, I think you were a bit shocked at what my first impressions of you were. So yep. again, I'll paint the story for, for the audience. So when I first met Dave, we were, uh, it was a goalkeeping trial. So Dave's a year older than me at college. Yep. So he was the number one goalkeeper. I then come in at a trial and there's a massive, like four fields worth of players playing. Uh, and Dave was on the opposite team to me. So I was in the same team as Dave, blah, blah, and I was saying to my dad, like, oh, I think that's the current college goalkeeper. And Dave's attitude towards me in that trial was very much a, who the hell is this guy and there's me like buzzing like oh it's Dave like he's he's face the college because the college was attached to my school so we kind of always looked up to the college kids because yeah. you always walked around the yeah uniform, we got the tracksuit already track suit, yeah. so cool and it's like oh my god it's Dave Langsdale <laughs> <laughs> and then he kind of looked at me like who the hell is this guy and I remember saying to my dad I think that guy's a bit of a dick <laughs> but then when, when I got into the team yeah. I mean you became really good friends like we got and it's yeah. like obviously you wouldn't have remembered that when we spoke about it yeah. in the pub like for you I was a nobody and there was all these people there trying to take your place so I didn't hold anything against you but it's just interesting you then kind of mentioned well yeah actually I probably wasn't in a good headspace at that time anyway yeah. and it's just really interesting isn't it how in life we can judge people on this one incident so I met you that one time and then imagine if I'd never seen you again. My whole view on you would yeah. be always a bit of a dick. Yeah. But you weren't. And you probably didn't know what you go through and how you came across yeah. at all well, and became good friends. Yeah. What I find interesting with that as well, when you told me, I was in so much shock. Like, what? I used to come across like that because like that seems so far away from the way I see myself. But it shows how much we evolve as people as well. And then on reflection now, knowing what I know, I think, yeah, maybe... I was a bit like that, you know, at that age. And it goes back to the it goes back to the confidence thing and probably not being as high on confidence as actually what I thought. So I was never aware in them years, like going into my teen years, that I was low on confidence. But it's only now that I look back and I go, Yeah, my my self esteem was pretty low, you know? Like how can you give me some example? Like, how, how, like, what would you say, like looking back then retrospectively, why was your self esteem low? Like also we know why, but like how how did that come across? Or how was that um, expressing itself? Um, so I can use football as an example, I guess. But like I look back and I was very serious about football. Fo- football was almost my escape from my childhood. Like I was very determined to, to play football at a good level. And I think that kind of saved me in a sense from when you say about mixing with the wrong crowds and going down the wrong route. And um, I look back now and I, you could literally go from being, I don't know, on top of your game and then I look back at times where I was awful and it was like the one thing I didn't even realize it at the time was my level of confidence now that could change at the so easily just through something someone said um and on reflection of that it's probably come from them childhood years where my confidence is being impacted by what someone's saying to me on a daily basis and then after that it would be affected in the same way how do you feel it's because I imagine, again, I didn't have the experience myself, but I've listened to a lot of like podcasts and stuff where um, the, potentially the, the podcast host, when he was younger, had like an alcoholic father or something like that happened. And he always used to say that he didn't know what he was going to be presented to when he opened the door. So it, it, when he walked in, he was very much trying to suss out the whole situation. Yeah. And trying to suss out what kind of mood are they in. Is that something that you kind of pick up on? Does that ring true to you as well? And do you yeah. think that kind of transitioned over into your adult life as well yeah definitely so that's exactly how it would be for me um yeah I never knew what I was going to get and that's probably where the fear came in as well um and and like you say it does make you very wary going into your later years and like you say it's only when you break it down and reflect on it that you realize it Mm. would you say that in in that situation then um how how else does that express itself like when it comes to adult relationships are you able to read people so again then using this one particular podcast host from what i can remember and he was saying that actually that happening 
really helped him in life because he was able to read people very very well like if people like mood change mood shifts have you noticed that as well in relationships or in friendships or anything like that or was that not really a crossover that you've noticed i'd say now i can be very calm around like chaos and stuff and it is maybe because i grew, grew up around a lot of it so i learned from a young age like how to deal with that kind of thing mm. um so I'd definitely say in regards to that, like, yeah, I can suss out a situation pretty quick. I can suss out moods pretty quick. And yeah, that's something that helps now, I'd mm. say, yeah. Um, can you talk to me about your, your biological dad? Yeah. The ones in New Zealand still. How was your relationship with him during this time? Because obviously you're very fearful of being at home. Yeah. Um, obviously, clearly, I imagine grieving for the loss of your dad because um, the FaceTime wasn't really a thing back then no, was it? Or I remember the that? internet first starting and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was like oh we could email now like what's this like, <laughs> um, so, so what was that like for you growing up knowing that you're in this situation and you've kind of got this dad this other side of the world I imagine that you kind of painted him in this picture of almost like a god or a savior or something like is that kind of how it works it's interesting because I've spoke to you about this before and you clicked onto that straight away like the savior and the god and it's like wow you've clicked onto that straight away (laughs) so yeah basically we didn't really have we had next to no contact to be honest um all I knew was my dad was on the other side of the world and I knew that he played football so I love football and I've got this dad now on the other side of the world that plays football. So it's almost like he's my hero, but I don't even know him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you're not my dad. Like you're treating me like this. That's my dad. And it's like you say, I placed him on such a pedestal without even speaking to him. Mm. Um, and again, then that's something you deal with in your later life when you get to know them a bit more. And yeah, things things are different to what you've pictured in your head, maybe. Did you, was your mum ever, how did your mum speak about him? Just from pure curiosity, like, was your mum kind about him, saying he's a good man? Like, or, what, or was it just, was he not really spoken about? Um, I don't generally remember my mum speaking about him too much. She definitely didn't discourage us having a relationship or anything like that. But, and again, it's probably something I've realised more now that she may have had frustrations towards how much effort was going in I don't know but then obviously I had a stepfather and there was I'd hear like a few hateful conversations mm-hmm. and stuff and I'd be like well that's not right my yeah. dad plays football you know what I mean <laughs> my like, dad's a yeah, hero yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. know him and then yeah. thinking back down well I don't really know him yeah. either but that doesn't click in but like I say you figure things out for yourself as you get older and I'd say one thing that that um I've taken from that. So now we're older, obviously these situations changed. And I've got friends now who who are dads, for example, uh, who might be going through a breakup from the mother to their children. And I've had these conversations in recent days and they're maybe distressed that they're not getting to see their kids or something like that. And I say to them, I say, trust, trust me, like your kids will know the truth in time. So just keep making the effort for them and keep showing them love because... Um, when we get older, they might be little now, but when they get older, they'll figure everything out. I've said that as well, I've got a lot of my clients as well that are females and it's the role yeah, first, okay. where yeah. again, in that situation, <clears throat> the, um, the, the the kids are like idolizing the dad. Yeah. And like the, 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 the clients come to me saying, yeah, but I'm like, the truth will come out. Yeah. The truth is the truth. The kids will find out. Let them worship their dad and idolize their dad. Yeah. Because I said, at the end of the day, you've got to let them have a relationship as much as you can. Obviously, most people aren't on the other side of the world like your dad was. 
But by you being the bad guy and stopping the child seeing the dad, mm. that's easy for you to be painted in a bad way. Yeah. But actually, just the truth will come out whether you like yeah. it or not. And this is why I want to sort of go down a sort of rabbit hole a bit for parents listening to this. Yeah. They may be going for a breakthrough, maybe have a, a step mum or step dad in their life. Yeah. And actually, the impact that can have on a kid. And that's why I really want to go down this sort of yeah. starting point here because people don't really realize the impact it has on the kids at that point. Yeah. And what I will say is, um, from my experience as well, all, all we want to do is love our parents. You know, that you, you you're always going to want to look up to your parents. You're always going to want the love and affection from your parents. So any person that is in that situation who's got a child, that child is going to want to look up to you and going to want to love you. So as long as you keep showing that, like we say, in time, that's all they will see eventually, even if it doesn't seem like that right now. Yeah, absolutely love that. So let's then talk about like moving on a little bit. Like you've dealt with a lot. Like I said, that, that's just the start. So yeah. this one, this one, I, I shared my story with you because you hadn't heard my story. So I shared my story with yeah, you. Yeah, I think and we, then both, you, we both sat there open mouthed like, and then you're like, I didn't realise. And you're like, oh, it's my turn. And then you told me this part and I was like, oh, is that it? And you went, oh mate, no, 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 I've just, this, I've just started. I was like, what? Because straight away that can, because you know, especially the kind of guy you are. And this is the thing, I've never met anybody have a bad word said about you. Like one of the coaches that works nice. for Pamela Project, uh, Charlie, yeah. again, says one nice guy. You are literally just a genuinely very nice, humble guy. Uh, and again, even like your physique, outstanding. Like you're literally the top bodybuilder in the world, natural bodybuilder, incredible. You've got every reason to be egotistical, arrogant, all of these things. And then especially when you look at that upbringing, it's almost like you'd expect that, but that's not you at all, which is why when you're telling me this story, it's like, mate, I've got even more respect for you now mm. because I know you as this amazing guy. That's, again, we've not been close for a long time. I'm like, yeah. you're, you mate, you're a great guy. I know that if I, I've reached out to you, that we could have a good chat. And I was like, wow. And he started off, in that situation, look where he's come. But then after that, things got a bit rocky and turbulent as well. So obviously you then went to meet your dad in New Zealand. Did you go to New Zealand first and then Australia? So it was New Zealand first to go meet your dad. So when I was 19, I after college, I went to move to New Zealand. Um, like I said, my dad hadn't really been in my life through my childhood in terms of like face-to-face. -face. There was a part of me that wanted to go get to know my dad um again because he's like you know i say you want to love Meet your parents hero, yeah. yep, you yeah. want to love your parents and as you know we were playing football at the time quite serious and i had and you joined that together with the fact i was born in new zealand my dad's over there i wanted to go play football at the top level in new zealand so it all made sense so at 19 i moved over there and it ended up being a year i mean i went for a little bit of homesickness and stuff but i would say that yeah i probably struggled in a lot of ways um I can't really say a bad word about my dad, but it wasn't like I'd expected. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I think in fairness to him, yeah. it was never, ever going to be what you'd made exactly in your that. head. Because yeah. he was literally, like you said, you'd made him as a god. And yeah. he, he's a flawed human like we all are. Yeah. So he was, even if he was, quote unquote, the perfect dad, yeah. how you bigged him up, exactly. he was never going to live Ex up to that. Exactly the same as what I'm saying about my mum. Like, she's just a young adult making decisions, trying to do right. He'd have been the same when I'm going through my childhood. His kids are on the other side of the world, like through the choice of my mum, let's say. So yeah, it's not any fault of his own, but at the same time, my expectation probably wasn't met in that regard. I was struggling with a bit of homesickness at 19 when you leave all your friends, like the reality of it kicked in once I moved there. But I still had a great time, but decided to come back. 
And then it was on returning back. I mean, the years coming after that, going into my 20s as such, that's when I started to see my mum's mental state probably decline more and more. She faced more and more problems, whether it be like with work, losing a house, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, she's still got three sons that she's trying to look out for and everything and like help us navigate the start of our adult life. Um, How did you find that? Like, again, obviously you've, you've, so you've had this relationship with your, your mum, your stepdad, wasn't great. You then gone to Australia, New Zealand for your dad, wasn't great. You then come back and then your mum's then struggling mentally. Like for you personally, how did that then affect you? Because again, that's a hard thing to see. Again, just, just anyone listening to this that's older than like 25, takes it back to when you're 20. So I'm just taking myself back. I'm picturing yep. it. Like I was in America at that time. Yeah, okay. That's a lot to put on me. I'm taking myself back to young Daniel. We didn't yeah. know any of this stuff. Like, obviously, you're, you're well-versed in this stuff now. You've gone through a lot. Yeah. Same with myself. But at that age, I wouldn't be able to deal with seeing something like that. So how yeah. did you then deal with that? So when I came back from New Zealand, um, I'd say that's when frustration probably started to kick in more than ever because I was seeing my mum, like, in a tougher place. And maybe she made some decisions well around that time that I didn't necessarily agree with. Um and I would say back then compared to now, I wasn't really aware of like what depression really was or mental health and all that kind of stuff. I'm just in my young 20s, a bit carefree. You care about what all your mates think, the reputation of say your mum and whatever and stuff like that and your family. Um, yeah, and everything's driven by what other people think of you more. So I was in this frustrated place like what's going on here? What's my mum doing this and this for? And was it was uh, it any anger? Was it just frustration? Did it did it boil over to anger, or was it just more an internal frustration? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily anger. I never really f- remember like getting angry with my mom or anything. But yeah, more just like frustration and hurt. Yeah. But then these are the things that I look back on now, and I just think my mum, same as anyone, just was trying to make decisions to try and benefit her from a mental standpoint, feel happiness and feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, those younger adult years were probably years of more frustration for me. And um, I just like carried on doing the usual stuff like playing football and stuff like that. And um, yeah, from there, that's when I got more and more into obviously the bodybuilding and stuff like that as well. Because you're saying that was a bit of your escape, wasn't it? The gym. Yeah. And obviously when we get into your story a little bit later on and uh, during the lockdown periods, I remember seeing you on Instagram. (laughs) And I remember thinking, like, bear in mind, I'm in the fitness industry, and I see you training during the lockdowns. And I'm thinking, mate, would you calm down? Yeah. I was thinking, why, why are you going so hard during the lockdowns? And yeah. obviously, when we get into your story, but more, I was like, that makes complete sense. I didn't even click because I didn't. And this is again where I think it's really interesting when we talk about this when it comes to mental health. With all the stuff I know, I didn't associate you with struggling with mental health. Yeah. And it just goes to show that mental health doesn't have a look. Yeah, that's people are struggling. True. It doesn't have a look like there's no sort of tail. Obviously, there's a telltale sign. Yeah, but you can any anyone in your life could be struggling mentally, really struggling, and you have no idea because looking at your page is like he's just a bit obsessed with the gym. Yeah, that was really it. And yeah. again, the way you were talking, holding yourself, conducting yourself, the videos, I was like, oh, he's fine. He's, yeah, he's actually yeah, smashing. Yeah. He's fine. He's just he's just really obsessed with the yeah. gym. Didn't think anything more of it. And it's just really interesting for the audience listening to this to be like, you don't know what people are going through and how much they're struggling. Yeah. So let's then talk about a big decision. Um, obviously, I took my big decision, went to America. Yeah. You then decided to go to the other side of the world again. You've got a thing with that side of the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. quite jealous. Like, New Zealand <laughs> it's that is passport like, you see. <laughs> dragging oh, me back. When you were still in New Zealand, it's always one of the places I've wanted to go to. Um, so then let's talk to, um, talk to me about going to Australia then, and then we'll sort of 
go there because this is kind of really now where you're if we're on a roller coaster we've kind of had a few bumps but this is really kind of where your life takes a bit of a nosedive so yeah. let's just sort of talk about that a bit yeah this actually went on over a number of years so like let's say so i remember so when my mum's depression was probably at its worst um I mean, life for me wasn't bad around that time. It was actually really good. Like I was doing a lot of things similar to you that I remember you did. Like, so I got involved doing like fitness modeling and stuff. I was signed to a fitness model agency in London, um, personal training, doing all stuff I enjoy. I'm actually living with my mom at the time, just me and her and her depression's at the worst, but I'm managing, I'm obviously doing all my own stuff, but with that frustration mm -hmm. on the side of what my mom's going through and the conversations I was having with her back home. Um, but in that time, uh, I was doing a lot of traveling as well. So whether it be like Thailand, Australia, I was flying back and forth to New Zealand. Um, so life was good to be honest. And, um, <laughs> I actually went on a stag do with one of my friends to Ibiza and, um, I met someone while I was there. And then this, uh, relation, it was someone from Australia and this relationship went like over a number of years. We kept in contact and stuff. We'd see each other here and there because like I say, I'm flying to Australia, traveling, life was good, you know, because one thing that probably seeing someone, um, depressed at home probably made me do was it made me want to live my life to the full and I've got this passport and I love to travel. I found my love of traveling. And then it kind of got to a point where I felt like I had a decision to make. And I was like, mm, do I stay in England or, or do I move to Australia? Uh, and I decided to move to Australia. So uh, making that decision, it was almost like, okay, I was born in New Zealand. It's never really kind of made sense to me why I've got this passport because I've obviously gone to New Zealand. It's not really worked for me there. And I kind of, on reflection now, the story in my head was, that's why I've got this New Zealand passport. I was meant to meet this person. Yeah. I'm meant to live in Australia. Yeah. I'm going to go live the dream over there. I'm going to be living two minutes from the beach. I'm going to be with the love of my life. Um, all that frustration I've been through over the years with my family, like I'm getting away from that now. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> this has led to this moment. It's meant yeah, to happen. Every, yeah. This all makes sense now. Yeah. I'm going to go live this life in Australia. It's going to be perfect. You know, I've got money saved in the bank, everything. I'm ready to go. Moved over there and learned very, very quickly that my, um, the reality was not meeting the expectation. I think that's, because again, we, we kind of spoke about this in the middle of our story where you've had this big sort of into that, but I mean, that's a very similar thing where I basically moved someone yeah. down from the other side of the UK, yeah, not yeah. to Australia. But yeah. again, the expectation versus the reality and kind of when it hits you, it's a bit like, yeah. Oh. So I remember with this, like you were expecting this this whole real big happy life and you sort of got there and there was uh, religious differences with families and stuff and you actually end up, so you go there to move in with this amazing person you've met and you end up having to live by yourself. Mm. So can you talk to me about that? Because I remember you sort of mentioned there that that was quite like a lonely experience for you. You were sat there, put in a house by yourself, room by yourself, wherever it was and it was, how was that for you? Yeah, I don't really have, like, no, it's nothing against her. Like, I don't have a bad word to say about her because obviously she's got a different like i don't know her life growing up again was different to mine everyone's different i mean when things don't work out in a relationship it's probably easy to be a little bit bitter and stuff but on reflection like it's nobody's fault other than my own that i had that expectation built in my head that that's how it was going to work out it is a little thing in my head actually just thinking on this do you think that with this so your mum's struggling yeah do you think there's a sort of thing with this of escapism and almost like running away, like again, making up in my head, like fairy tale land. So you've kind of yep. done it with your dad a little bit of like, yep. 
this isn't great. I'm just going to go and meet my dad. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. It doesn't work out. And then, because again, I've done this with women more times than I care to admit that I basically idolize them. And I yeah. put them on a pedestal. I'm like, this is the one. Like, yeah. If I look back in my life, genuinely, I probably had about seven, the ones. And I look back now, I'm like, it was never, this is my experience. It was never love that I thought it was. It was lust. Yeah. And it was the idea that I'd created in my head. Yeah. And as you sort of said about the expectation, I'd put complete unnecessary pressure on them they had no idea of that this person was going to fix all my problems yeah so looking back at it now do you think that there was a um a kind of escapism there of don't really like this i'm gonna go here and then you kind of big this up kind of like you did with your dad almost of yeah. this is going to be this amazing thing was it not like that um i'd say a little bit of both so i think there was some form of escapism in the fact i had a lot of frustrations towards say what i'd seen my mum go through and stuff like that so i kind of wanted to escape that without realizing it um but then in terms of like saying putting this person on a pedestal um I feel like that would be a little bit unfair to say because on reflection now, now that like I've calmed down about the heartbreak of the breakup and all that kind of stuff, I had some of the best times of my life with that person. So I can't ever say that that was just like a false yep, yep. thing that I've built them on a pedestal because there was a time where we was having amazing times together. Absolutely. So you don't want to discredit that on no. reflection. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm very you, happy you, that I had those moments. Do you think that was because again, it was because you, you're both traveling. So it wasn't in the real world almost. Yeah, like a ho- exactly holiday, holiday romance. Yeah, almost. there was definitely that because <clears throat> as we say, the reality when it becomes a full-time almost relationship is very different to how it's going to be when I'm on holidays in Australia all yeah. the time. And that crosses your mind at the time. Like, oh, will it be different when I move? And maybe I was a bit like, mm, no, no, this is the real <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So there was some false expectation and stuff. And yeah, from that, from that point of view. So that's the key thing you've you picked up on there as well. Like no matter how much heartbreak and stuff you went through. And it, it, there's that amazing saying, it's better to have loved than to have lost and to never loved at all. So yes, this thing was bad, but actually the good times, again, upon reflection, I bet they're absolutely awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing to remember on that. Exactly. Like, it's, as you said, you, you again, she went into this whole situation with the best intentions. So did exactly, you. Exactly, yeah just situational especially when there's pressure from outside uh, things like family and stuff like that yeah. again you are away from home so yeah. again you probably wouldn't have been your natural self there's and that is things. exactly it that's what I feel like was a big problem for me was that I kind of wasn't myself in them times because I felt so m- this is where I first probably realized what anxiety was because every time something felt like it wasn't going right my mind's just going crazy like this has got to work out it's like I'm on the other side of the world I'm going to be on my own I've like given up everything back home like so that's where the anxiety started to kick in a little bit do you think then you put those anxieties onto her like seeking validation is this working is that something you were doing yeah so definitely so if I look back now um you think at the time like this person is in the wrong and all that but then I look back and I know like um I've read books like, I don't know, like The Chimp's Paradox and stuff about controlling my emotions. And I look back and I go, hmm, I probably could have controlled my emotions a little bit more in certain situations. But like you say, maybe the pressure of the whole situation um, is something that I had, yeah, had added to it all and made things a lot harder, yeah. Had you got a lot of uh, suppressed emotions as well? Like as a kid, were you emotional? Were you allowed to say loud? Like, were you expressing emotions? Were, were you an emotional child? Or Because I think the reason I'm saying that is, as an adult, again, that mm. age kind of were like a young adult male, 
again, your story is very similar. As we share our story, is yeah. very, very similar, scarily similar. That I know my situation when I was in right that back then. I, I remember the exact day I was on Mikey's podcast and I spoke about this story with this this bird, this woman. Sorry, bird. Not bird, bird. I say that I hate it. I, I don't know why I said that. Is, that, is, that is old Daniel. That's old Daniel thinking about that time, and that's how old Daniel spoke. Uh, thinking about this woman at the time, and I was then sharing the story with Mikey. I think it was on Mikey's podcast, and then I stopped and I said that's not actually how that happened. Mm. And what I'd done is I'd created a story in my head to match how I was feeling. Now, there were some facts of the story, but then what happened is I'd retold this story so many times to people and to myself that made me the victim yep. that I then said to Mikey, I don't actually know how much of that story is true. <laughs> yeah. And it literally wasn't Mikey on that part. It literally, and I, it, it scared me. It was the mm. first time it kind of hit me like a train. I was like, I don't actually know much of that And true. that shows how powerful it is when like, your emotions start to kick in. Yep. They can literally change the reality and stuff. So how do you think, so how would you think, do you think there's a lot of suppressed emotions there that were coming out? Or had you been able to express emotions freely before that? Because um, guys are terrible It's emotions. interesting you're asking that because it's not something I've thought about in that much detail, but I'd probably say yes. Like, because up until this point, I haven't really struggled myself too much in terms of, let's say, like, mental health and stuff but then I started to feel a lot more emotional with the pressure of the situation and everything um and I'd, I'd spoken to someone about it actually when I returned home and I, I basically told them the story about when it was like confirmed we were breaking up and I just broke down in tears and like I was going home and she, and then she like painted like said to me is that how you'd have reacted as a child and I was like yeah it was yeah and she's like you're not a child anymore like so yeah I definitely do think that would have been the case and then um those situations where I think someone else is in the wrong you start to realize no you need to like start owning your own emotions and yeah be, be more of an adult in those situations and um not act out for emotion I mean, a lot more I think it's a big thing as well because we mentioned about this like the whole people pleasing thing as well yeah. I imagine that's a big thing for you because I know that that was me to a T yeah and I think that was one of the biggest things that led me down my dark hole of my depression is that I was trying to be everything to everyone not realizing that I was giving nothing to myself yeah and at some point it's like a game of bookaroo there's only so much and I imagine the same with you like you put so much stuff on that donkey yeah. and you were fine until a certain point and then you put one final thing on and then the whole thing explodes yeah that was kind of me but mine was just I was just uh, for me and I think we kind of linked on as well just validation mm. especially when it comes to modeling like yeah. people assume that you're very confident being a model yeah I was the least confident I'd ever been when I was modeling yeah and uh no self-respect no self-love I was very insecure and I wanted people to love me and it was a very for me toxic recipe for disaster it was only gonna if, if someone could see me and had spoken to me on a deep level, they'd be able to unpick that I was only going one way. Yeah, because I hated myself. Really? I was trying yeah. to basically please everybody, yeah. and it just wasn't thinking. Can you kind of relate to that? Like the, the... I can with the people pleasing thing because I look back now and I think a lot of the decisions I made upon like that move and the things that I was doing there weren't really paying attention to like where I wanted my life to go and what things made me happy. It was more based on like, okay, I want to be with this person. So I need to do this, this, and this, mm. and then that will make the relationship a happy one. Do you know what I mean? Even if so, it doesn't like suit you or. Suit yeah. You. And even to the point where I probably didn't even think about it that much. I kind of just thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. But then I look back now and I just think that wasn't really me. That wasn't really ever like going to serve me well long term because mm. 
Yeah, it wasn't what I'm about. Mate, we've literally, we've all been there. So, <laughs> can you then talk to Matt Rock Bottom? Uh, yeah. You're at Bottom. Like, where did this happen in your story, in your journey? I know it's around about this sort of time. Can you talk, take my audience to where that was for you? Because this is, again, quite a pivotal thing. You've, you've yeah. kind of surfed a lot of waves at this point. Like, you've kind of dodged, let's say, dodged a lot of bullets. Like, you haven't really hit Rock Bottom. Yeah, you've, nothing. You've, you've been yeah. good. Yeah. Things are kind of build up. Can it's you funny you then? say that about, like, like, dodging bullets and this wave and everything. And this is where, like, I say my frustrations towards my mum were there, but then they've changed now since I've been through it because at the time it was like I don't know how to say it but it was like I'd see what my mum was going through and it's like yeah but I've been through this this and this and I'm fine like so like, why, why are you, you not yeah. fine like come on get out of bed like you got stuff to be doing like I'm going to the gym I'm doing this and that like I'm traveling I'm, I'm working. fine yeah, I'm fine why I'm fine you? yeah, yeah we're really it's yeah. just all been yeah. pushed to the back of the mind yeah. I'm going to ignore it but yeah basically what happened then was obviously I'm going for this dream move to the other side of the world. I'm going to live there for the rest of my life. I'm going that's where I'm going to live. My family's going to be over there uh, with this person. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks when obviously things didn't work out uh, for one reason or another. And then I remember that so the day we broke up, uh, she said to me, "What are you going to do?" And I would just burst out crying and said, "I just need to go home." <laughs> And like, so that thing that, 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 that I've escaped from this place and now all I feel is I need to go home because I knew I wasn't in a good place um, and it hit me then. I remember I had about two weeks from then until I'd booked a flight home, had about two weeks and in between like working or going to the gym, didn't really have anywhere to be or anything. I just remember driving my car, just like pulling up at shops. I didn't even need to go in the shop. So I'd just sit in my car crying. So I was well aware I wasn't in a good place. I was talking to friends back home on the phone and a couple knew what, what was going on and that I was coming home. Um, so I wouldn't say at this point, I'd say, oh, I felt like I was depressed. I just knew I needed to get home. I remember sitting at the airport and I just felt numb. Like people were just walking by and it was just like, the world's just floating by me. I was like, didn't really have any emotion at that point. Got on the plane, come home. Um, I came home in like the November. So it's summer over in Australia. It was winter in, in England. It's like a double whammy, isn't it? Like yeah. you're miserable anywhere and you come home and it's like yeah. miserable. Yeah. Raining, wet, yeah. cold. Exactly. Oh. So I'm uh, back living with my mum because I've got nowhere to go. I literally, I remember actually the day before I left Australia, I've got all these clothes I've bought and everything. I just picked them all up, put them in a bin line, I chucked them in the bin. I was like, I don't care about like any of these possessions or whatever. So I've literally come home with just a suitcase of clothes. That's all I've got to my name at this point. Uh, come home, I'm back at my mum's place. All the money I had saved, pretty much gone. Um, so then it was only then like, I haven't got a job at this point. I've just got home. I'm back to where I felt a lot of frustration. And it's like, I've gone from having this dream life ahead of me to being back in England. I looked outside, it's dark, it's cold, it's raining. My money's gone. It felt like everything had gone, basically. My mental state, like my was happiness. Was your mum still struggling at this point as well when you got back? Yeah, I'd so say you, she so you, was. So you're also not in a good, yeah. like, home, home environment. Isn't it? Like, your mum's struggling. <laughs> I hope she doesn't mind me telling this story, but for example, like, I've come home to my mum's house and, uh, yeah, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but I came back and it's like, okay, I've come back and I've looked and the bathroom door's got holes in it from where she's, like, took a hammer to the bathroom door in frustration yeah. one day. So it was quite clear that she still was a bit, 
like mm. yeah not which again, understand because again it's people don't open up and talk about it yeah and again especially in that regard like there's so much built up stuff there so again it's it, it comes down whatever way yeah so when, when i'm hearing that like yeah it's a release of frustration and and if you're not taught how to deal with it exactly yeah yeah, so then so then you're in that sort of household environment yeah you're then in not in that good headspace yeah what like what was going on through your head right then so um so the reality of it was i'd wake up in the morning like i said i haven't got a job yet at this point obviously i'm i'm thinking right i need to get back working i need to get back earning money but i was in a place of like everything's gone wrong basically like and I remember I'd wake up in the morning and just start screaming that I'd woke up and I had another day to get through I mean I've spoken to people I don't mind speaking openly about this but um, I remember looking out the window and just thinking my life always goes wrong I started like reflecting back to everything I'd been through my childhood like even when I played football like I'd snap my knee like at the point where I played at the highest level and I couldn't play again for two years you start like replaying all these memories of everything that's gone wrong now my life was sorted I was going to Australia everything made sense it's gone wrong I've got nothing my money's gone I've got like just a suitcase of clothes I'm back here I'm back in this environment and I just remember looking outside thinking my life is like doomed almost. And I literally remember thinking in this moment, looking out the window, this is what it must feel like for people when they commit suicide. Mm. So I can openly say like, I didn't ever want to end my life because in that moment I thought that's what it must feel like, but I'm not going to do that. Mm. I just know this is how I felt at the time. I know the rest of my life's not going to be that great because things never go right for me. Mm. And then it was like just that complete spiral of thinking maybe, do I say victim mindset? I don't know, but I was feeling like... that headspace. Exactly. So you say victim mindset. And I said, I think people... Because again, I use victim mindset all the time to say it's negative because yeah. it is a negative. Yeah. However, in that headspace you go there mm. it's a natural place to go the problem is when you stay there yeah that's the problem when people get comfortable being there but when you go there we all still do i still do it now like it's, yeah you get into a headspace something happens and your first thing is wow and then you start to feel sorry for yourself but the yeah. problem is when you stay there yeah you can't do anything you can't do anything from that place when i talk about the victim mindset it's not a bad thing it's a bad thing when you stay there yeah okay. so for you to have that moment yeah, that makes more it's sense, like when you're yeah. then you're like wow but you needed that realization to be yeah. like wow and you start to feel a bit yeah. sorry for yourself and then it's kind of like and I've got, got, got a quote here that we've got from the pub. So yeah, okay. Two okay. Says, uh, Life won't get better. So you just mentioned yeah. the second one is, I am the problem. Yeah. So again, that kind of realization of like, I am the problem. Yeah. And that's a hard, I remember that was the hardest thing that I've ever had to realize in my life is that all these things have happened and I'm the common denominator. And obviously as a child, yeah. you, you aren't the problem there. There's nothing you could have done about that. Yeah. But also that's gone on in life where you've made decisions yeah. and the decisions that you've made haven't worked out. Yeah. That's a hard pill to swallow. And that's the thing that it's very easy. So let's talk about breakups, for example. Use that as an example. It's easy to blame someone else. It's easy to think, oh, this person's done that. They've screwed me over. But at the end of the day, the hardest thing to do is to go no, that's my fault. And to be fair, I've got a couple of friends that I spoke to around the time and they would tell me that like, maybe when I'd say like blaming other people or whatever, they'd be like, well, you made the decision to go there. It didn't work out. Like kind of mm-hmm. like it's your decision sort of thing. And I see it more in people now as well. Like when I'm trying to like 
give advice and stuff and you see it like people are very frustrated by the actions of other people and the hardest thing to do is realize okay there are things that I can do differently and I could do differently but we find it hard sometimes to admit that we're wrong even if someone else has treated you badly like it's not always about you they might be going through their own thing but you do have a choice about how you deal with that always and I obviously didn't deal with it in the best of ways at certain times and I have to take ownership of that and it did take like you say a bit of pill to swallow to realize that as well and that's the thing that like obviously we spoke about this happened to me last year as well and it's people think situations will happen to you and it's not in your control it's not your fault some people let's be honest are just dicks yeah but by you pushing that narrative, the victim mindset, you're giving them all the power. Mm. If you can just take just 1% responsibility and just focus on that 1%, that is then empowering for you. Yeah. And then that's things like, you're not taking any of their responsibility, you're just taking the responsibility you can take. Yeah. Because again, as you said, you made that decision, you made certain things, and especially in relationships. This is where, uh, again, something I learned, um, it's when I was dating, someone basically said like, if you're on a date and the other person's always blaming their ex or talking negative to their ex, mm. that's a red flag. Yeah. Because it can't always be. Yeah. Ex, that's not the case. Like if they're turning around saying, yeah, well actually, mm. I was this, I was that. Yeah. They played their part. Yeah. But actually I played a massive part. That shows real awareness of self, yeah. which not many people have. And I think the determining thing for me was when you're in that place where you feel so low and I just remember like, I would have done I, I would have done anything at that time to stop feeling like that. Now me sitting around feeling bitter about the actions of someone else isn't helping me get out of that place. It's only making it worse. The moment as hard as it is that I start to realize there's things that I can control that I can change that's the moment things can start to get better for me because mm. I've got control again now. So what did you control? So my perspective on the situation more than anything. I haven't been screwed over. Like, it's not anyone else's fault. I chose to go to Australia. I put myself in that situation. And now it's only actually these years later that I look back and go, oh, I wish I'd handled that situation a bit better. It's all right, mate. It I, is. Mate, it's, it's the it, worst. Don't, because yeah. you're saying that, I could feel yeah. your pain because I know exactly what it's like. You yeah. go back and wait, mate, I handled that yeah. so poorly. It's also embarrassing. Yeah. And you just want to go back and apologize, but you can't do that. Exactly. Basically. That's what you want to do because you're yeah. like, Wow. And that's why I talk about this a lot. I'm also, like, I have been a dick and I've really hurt people in yeah. my life. Like, and again, even then mentioned the word birds. That's how you start genuinely talk. And, that, yeah. and I look back and think, I've hurt so many people. Mm. And when I made this realization, it's that, wow. Yeah. I've hurt some people here. Like, yeah. wow. And it's almost like, it takes a lot to just yeah. put that bag down because you can carry that with you as well. That guilt and that shame yeah. for how you've acted, but you only know what you know. Exactly. In that moment, you weren't deliberately doing that. And your and emotions take over. Whereas now say I'm over some heartbreak, I can look back on it with a bit more clarification and I can go, oh, hang on a minute. Like say someone does this and it um, goes against me and I feel a bit betrayed, for example, at the time when I'm like heartbroken and my emotions take over, it's like, how dare you do that to me? But now I look back outside of the situation and I go, I kind of understand why they did that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the pressures they're under in their life and what they've been through, I can understand it. Mm -hmm. And I'm at peace with that then because I can understand it from their point of view. And I know there's things I can do better for my life going forward that will make my life better as well. In a beautiful place, we can get the place of peace. Yeah. Just accept so it. So much just better. Accept, oh, mate, yeah. it's and like I say, now I look back on them years of my life. When, when I came back, I was depressed, the lowest I've ever been in my life. 
now I look back on them times and I'm picking out the bits where I'm like, I was happy then. Mm. You know, I had a great time yeah. when I went over this time, when we did this and, you know. Isn't it fantastic? Mate, yeah. honestly, and, and this try <laughs> and get to people at the stage we're at where they can, again, people just walk around this, this rucksack of all mm. this past trauma, negativity, things they've done, mistakes they've made. And they never just take that backpack off and yeah. just rummage through it and deal with it and sort yeah. it all out and just put that bag down because mm. then it allows you to look back because there is positive moments that have happened in that time. Like I yeah. said, some amazing adventures. Again, even Australia, it's a beautiful place to live. It's like just ticking all these boxes off. You've actually spent some time with your dad. Yeah. Some people will never get to have exactly. that. Exactly. No matter how negative it was, there's still some positives it's all there. perspective, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. And I think there's one thing I want to pick up on here as well before we sort of go on to the next part is um, you mentioned looking out the window and how you were at that low point. You said, I'd have done anything not to feel like that. Yeah. I just want to pick up on that because that's where a lot of people in that situation situation turn to drugs yeah alcohol all that stuff and again you sort of mentioned like this is how people feel when they're doing that yeah. on the edge i think people listening to that there like that's a real powerful thing because people don't really understand what people are thinking yeah but they're not thinking clearly yeah. that's that's not a rational you're not in your right frame of mind and right then i'd have done anything that's when people oh try this drug yeah and okay never you'd have taken a drug in your life no but if someone says to you this will make you feel yeah. better I'm not saying you, but that's how people yeah. get into it. It's a gateway of escapism of, yeah. I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Just give me and something. that's what I kind of gauge listening to podcasts and people who have been through it. It seems like, I don't want to swear, so I'll say effort moments. People just think effort, I may as well just do that. Yeah. Because it's easier. Because everything's gone then, like, yeah. yeah. It's complete escapism. Yeah. Now, I want to I wanna skip past the part of the story because I don't think it's going to okay. add much to it. But I then want to kind of tie a little bit into it with the bodybuilding. Yeah. Because you kind of really ramped up your bodybuilding in this moment. And yeah. again, there's been a lot of stuff you've had to go through. There's a lot of other things you've had to sort of go through, like pressures, uh, dealing with other people, other situations. But your constant has been the gym. And this, I think now, whereas, again, a lot of the people listening to this, that are, are your fan base, they know you as this guy. Yeah. I think it's been really important to sort of set the stage there for that. Yeah. Because for you to achieve what you've done, naturally, there's yeah. been moments genuinely in my life where I've looked at you and think, <laughs> mate, he's definitely not natural. Yeah. But you, I know you, I know you, I know you yeah. are. But then I look at you, yeah, but this is your life. Mm. And I've always said that. I said, yeah, but he's so dedicated. Yeah. But I thought it was from a, like a real healthy way. Yeah. It clearly was. it. So can we now talk about how you've evolved into this champion because actually okay. you are you've not just won one title yeah. you had to win the same title three times yeah which is bizarre yeah. so three times in a row you won it and then you ended up becoming this pro yeah. like, it's an amazing story so now yeah. can we just sort of talk about that mindset and how you've created this person that you are now yeah so i mean i competed before i moved to australia i gave it up to again my decision i've chosen to give up competing to go over there but then i came back and it was like at that moment where I decided like something needs to change. Um, at that point, I just wanted to find something to give me a level of happiness again. And you start to really think deeply and think like, what do I enjoy doing? And I'd competed, like I say, before Australia. And it was like, I enjoyed doing that, you know? So I just, at that point, it was just, I just need, I want to get that back in my life. I want to get back competing. And it's funny, actually, because in them moments when I felt at my lowest, I literally built this vision in my head of just saying in six months time, I'm going to compete again. And just the picture in my head of seeing myself smiling on stage, just smiling. We're not talking about winning or anything. We're just being on stage with a smile on my face. That was enough to keep me going, to think, I'll be smiling again in six months time. Just do what you need to do day by day and work towards that. Um, and when you say in terms of like winning uh, the three British titles and then like going on to win the Worlds, 
it's been the same mindset along the way. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do this achievement. I'm going to win this show. It's just, I'm going to focus on this today. I'm going to focus on this tomorrow. And then along the way, it's been like, okay, I've won this. What's next? Okay, let's win, aim for this. It's not like I said three years ago, I want to be a pro and a world champion. All I wanted to do was put a smile back on my face again. But then when you tick off one thing, you realize that in that process, you've found some levels of happiness and I want more of that. And then I'm going to set another goal and another goal and just keep reaching higher and higher and higher because it's in the pursuit of chasing them goals that I've found days of happiness, like some good habits in my life, some good, um, yeah, just day to day I wake up and I'm, I'm excited for my days ahead. Mm-hmm just in the pursuit of chasing them goals. I think that's key things like you're not, you've never been fixated on winning. Yeah. And I think again, we had Josh Malian, who's now, okay, a, a yeah. and again, yeah. this sort of way in like the early, early episodes, and he said a very similar thing. Yeah. He doesn't step on stage to win. He steps on stage to be better than he was last time. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. But for you, I think a key thing here that you, you picked up on, I don't think you understand, maybe you do understand the power of it, but that vision, having that picture. Yeah. So again, the brain is so, so powerful and the brain doesn't know the difference between the thought and reality. So you've held this image there of just seeing yourself smile. Yeah. And you've thought about it so much and you've suppressed that onto your subconscious and your mm. subconscious is like, oh, well, this is how we need to feel. Yeah, yeah. So everything in your being is yeah. lining up for you to have this that, thing. Yeah. Whereas normally people do it for the negative, yeah. which is why they always get the negative. So where your attention goes, your energy flows. Yeah. So your attention was on happiness. Yeah. So it wasn't on winning, it was happiness. And what I'll say on that is yeah. when you say my attention was on happiness. So what I realized when what it felt for me was like rock bottom, that was the lowest I've ever been is nobody's opinions of me are coming to save me. Mm. And I came back from Australia and literally every person I saw at first was asking me, what are you doing back here? And I had to tell everyone the same story to the point where I was anxious of seeing people because I realized I wasn't the same person that left and they're not, now I'm like, I'm trying to hide that I'm in this bad place mentally. And it took a few weeks of that before I realized like, me worrying about what everyone thinks of me is not helping me. And then going forwards, it was almost like, well, I need to do the things that I enjoy, not what other people want to see me doing because I just need to get some level of happiness back. And the only way I'm going to get that back is by doing the things that I want to do for me, not to try and impress other people. That's such a powerful thing because so many people put their life and happiness on hold because of other people's opinions of them. Yeah. And as you said, other people's opinions don't pay the bills when it comes to business, no. starting a business, doing whatever it is. They don't, do, doesn't matter. Other people's gonna, you can sit there and do nothing with your life. Literally sit in a box, sit in a room, do nothing but breathe and eat. Yeah. People are still gonna judge you. Yeah. People judge, that's what they do. Yeah. That's a them problem. Mm. That's not a you problem. Yeah. But for you to come to that realization, I think people need to hear that because so many people don't have that mindset and will never yeah. come to that realization that, this fear of other people's, again, rejection, like validation, whatever people, doesn't serve you. No. The only thing that serves you is what can you do for you to better your life and yeah. make you happy? Exactly. And as long as it's legal, as yeah. long as it's ethical, and as long as yeah. it's not hurting anybody, yeah. do what you need to do to and get And one you- thing you realize is everyone's got their own problems. Everyone's Everyone. going through something. And like, I don't know if, there, if it's ego or whatever, but like... People at the time where I thought everyone was judging me, people don't care about what I'm doing that much. The people that do care about me, they just want to see me happy. And at the end of the day, they will support me, uh, whatever I want to do. Mm. Be- like you say, as long as it's within, it's legal and yep, all the yeah. rest. Um, they want to see me happy. It's the same as when I won these competitions. Like the best part of winning that world championships last year 
wasn't actually winning the show. It was coming home and I had people coming up to me and I can see tears in their eyes like, I'm so happy for you. And that's what I mean. Seeing other people happy for you who genuinely care about you means way more than anything. And that, aside from that, like what really matters, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing because there is so many people that are going to hate. Yeah. And haters are going to hate. Yeah. Just let them hate. None of your business. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things we've said there is that so many people are struggling and they are. And they project that onto other people. And again, they are the ones that will say stuff. Yeah. But then equally, are they doing what you want to do? Mm. Are they a world champion? No. no. So I don't want to listen to you. Like, yeah. you're, like I, I'm doing what I'm doing here. It's like, and this is thing I've sort of come to the realization of, like we are very quick to listen to other people's opinions. However, if that person isn't doing or hasn't ever done it, something you want to do, always take the other pinch of salt because people will try and put you down to their level because you're making them almost look bad. Yeah. So I'm not saying you had this at all, but again, I imagine in a lot of situations, let's say it's just in a normal nine to five job and you're trying to go for that promotion. So you're there going for that world championship. And a lot of people that want that, but don't back themselves to do it. But oh, you yeah. sure, sure you want to do that? And I think what it is as well, say if I had a fear in the, in the last few years of what people thought about me, I'd be crippled by the thought of losing. But I've kind of lost that from being at that point where I realized no one's opinions were saving me. Like if I win or lose in the view, the eyes of other people, it doesn't really matter. Like, So you generally weren't bothered winning or losing? No, I wanted to win bad. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like to be seen to be losing, I would rather that than yeah. not put myself on stage through yeah. fear of Absolutely. losing and yeah. being seen to be I losing. Wanted, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, a key point there. Yeah. Um, Talk to them about how you stay motivated and disciplined. Because I know that through a lot of this, especially the, the three British championships, yeah. you had a lot of bad times. You were still struggling, going through your own other things. We're not yeah. going to go into that. How did you stay motivated during that time? Because I think a lot of people here, I'm not talking about in the bodybuilding world, people in general let life and external situations, uh, external people, whatever it is, affect them, their mood. And it stops them being disciplined. And discipline is doing the things you know you need to do when you don't feel like doing yeah. it, which is clearly what you've mastered. Yeah. Because I know what you've been through. How did you develop that discipline? Because that's what people really, really lack. Yeah. So I think it's um, through awareness of how well that served me in them times that I was at my lowest and seeing how it changed me and made me feel better to be disciplined. I kind of know what's the other side of it. So let's say I'm going through a hard time, which I've had in the last couple of years. If I was to give up on my goals, if I was to stop, let's say, training, if I was to stop aiming for these competitions and going back on them promises I've made for myself, I'm only going to end up in a lower place, you know? Mm. Whereas I feel the flip side of that, when your actions align every day with what, what you want to achieve that can fill you with a lot of confidence. So just knowing that, it becomes a solid thing for me now that I'm always going to have it in place where I've got a goal and I'm going to keep aiming towards it because what that goal gets me through is sometimes more important than the goal itself. Mm. So I'll use bodybuilding as, a, as an example because it's actually an easy one to do. Now, if I've got a goal of this competition, whether I'm feeling a bit anxious and I've lost my appetite, I'm going to make sure I eat my food. If I'm feeling a bit tired and restless, I need to make sure I sleep at night or I'm not going to train so well the next day. So all these habits become a loop whereby they actually make me feel better mm. within that time that I'm going through a hard time, if you see what I mean. Absolutely. And I've become very aware of that to the point where I enjoy it even more because I see how it serves me. So even last year going into that prep, 
um, before the British Championships and the Worlds eventually. I could feel my mental state start to slip a little bit because of a couple of situations. And all I knew by them from the previous couple of years is you've got to keep going with these goals because they will serve you well in a few months' time. You will be in a better place mm. for it. And fortunately, if, 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 I was. If you don't keep going... You're gonna, I'm you, going you, down. You're going I'm down. You know exactly, exactly where that, that. is. And yeah. it's, like I said, it just gives you that, that focus. Again, it gives yeah. you a reason to get up in the morning. gives you a reason to yeah. try. And you sort of said, it's that discipline. Yeah. That all those good habits, they're good, positive habits that keep you mentally in a good point. Yeah. And then on top of that, it then pushes you towards your goals. Exactly. So it's kind of like, you kind of mentioned, uh, I've got a quote here again from you, was talking about like the, uh, uh, the process more important than the prize. Yeah, exactly so the process that. and what you got out of it yeah. is way more than a little trophy yeah. or a, whatever, like exactly. a medal or whatever you got. Like actually yeah. the, the mental, you, let's be honest, you even being here, because let's just be honest, if you hadn't really had that aha moment or you didn't really have bodybuilding, who knows where your mental state would have been because yeah. we all know people that have kind of gone into a bad headspace, got themselves out of it, but you only stay there for so long yeah. because the habits aren't aligned with that and, and then they go back down again. And that's where I do feel very, very lucky that I found a passion for what I do now and stuff because it has helped me through some hard times in my life. It's taught me that discipline that has helped me through what would have been times that would have been very tough mentally. Mm-hmm. Um and I can easily say without going into details that I've been through worse times in the last couple of years in my life. Things have happened that were way worse than what I'd been through previously, but I'd been able to navigate through them from the lessons that I'd learned from everything I'd been through before. And the fact that I had these solid goals and I'm going to live my life with that discipline, knowing that it will serve me mm. well mentally long term. And like you say, that means way more than winning a competition. Mm. And again, I've decided not to go down that rabbit hole, by the way. So with that, like I said, yeah, like, yeah. when people listen to this, like, why have we spoke about that? That's my choice. That's yeah. a me thing for doing that. We spoke about that off air. Yeah. So I've decided of not going down that yeah. rabbit hole because it's not needed. And you've already added way more value than I think I was expecting you to on here. Like it's, <laughs> we've gone, you've given some absolute nuggets here. I want to just finish off with a few pointers here, speaking to your fans, um, bodybuilders, natural bodybuilders, uh, especially because again, I think there's a lot of people, I wouldn't be doing uh, your audience um, a, a good service if I did ask some of these questions. The first thing is, what advice would you give to young people, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22? Because I say even maybe 16, 17, because I go into a lot of schools now. Yeah that are getting into bodybuilding, are getting into the gym and they see yourself looking on stage, but then they also see the other guys getting on stage and they are thinking of taking steroids. Yeah. You've never gone down that route. What advice would you give to someone that is wanting to be natural? Yeah. Like, because again, it's a very dangerous mind feel out there. So can you just talk to those people for me? Yeah, what I'll say first of all is, because um, I have this conversation quite a lot with people who are younger, obviously starting in the gym and stuff like that. Um, you'll probably be able to like relate to this as well, but... I feel very lucky that I got into bodybuilding at a time where there was no social media. <laughs> because different ball game now, isn't it, mate? Different, different ball, game. ball game. Because what I'll say is, when I first started going to the gym, it was because I need to get a little bit bigger for football and a little bit stronger, right? So I'm looking in the mirror. I need a little bit more. I need a little. Put on a little bit of muscle. Then I start to feel a bit, little bit more confident. I start enjoying the gym more and more. And it's like, I'll get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And it's gradually happened over years. And I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. Just you looking in the mirror. Just me looking in the mirror on what I want to do day by day. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Now people are clicking on social media. They see a guy who's absolutely shredded, massive. And it's like... I want to get like that <laughs> in 12 weeks. Yeah, exactly. And again, a lot of these people, again, again, I, I know a lot, 
not as much as I used to, but uh, back in the day when we were first started bodybuilding, so yeah. I was nowhere near your level. Um, but a lot of people lie. Yeah. And what they portray on social media yeah. versus reality. Yeah. And it gives these kids a false expectation yeah. of what's actually achievable. Yeah. And again, genetics plays a massive part. And, in it, and let's say on the flip side of that, if someone does get involved in steroids, they don't actually know what they're letting themselves in for, first of all. Um, so going back to what I've been through, it's happened over a number of years. So the key is probably patience. And that patience, I don't want to get in a discussion here about like, being natural versus taking steroids. But for me personally, I feel having that patience and just doing it by self-improvement, not trying to look better than someone else or as big or as shredded as someone else. Just look in the mirror, try and improve what you're doing in the healthiest way possible will serve you so much better long-term than going down that route. Like I, said, I don't judge anyone for any of the decisions yeah, you make. Exactly. Like, Each, what yeah. I would say is just do your due diligence, like yeah. actually research it. Yeah. Don't just listen to that idiot you see down the gym. Yeah, exactly. Like a balloon. Like just actually go and talk there's so much resources yeah. out there and especially when you're in your youngest like reach your natural potential yeah because you look look how old are you now 35 and you're the biggest you've then. ever been yeah like every time I see you mate you're bigger and bigger and bigger so people talk about natural potential mate you are still getting bigger exactly. and stronger yeah. at 35 yeah like, what the hell yeah like, and, and this is what people don't seem to understand it's like if you're dedicated to something and you want it long enough like it will happen exactly. naturally and people want to rush the process when it comes to money or anything nowadays so i just yeah. really wanted to have that for any younger of your younger audience listening to this that, that that's yeah a key and thing that's it it's just step by step take it nice and slow enjoy the journey enjoy going to the gym enjoy learning new things new training methods get learning more and more about nutrition do things in that respect and i think most people will be happy that they have done it in that and in that find way find what works for you exactly it just like, works for you might have worked yeah. for me and like you say a lot can be achieved naturally mm -hmm. and i also have that conversation with a lot of people um whereby they don't realize how much can actually be achieved naturally no because no one talks about it no one talks about it for one but also like i say I'm on top of my nutrition all the time. I'm on top of my sleep all the time. So people might look at me and go, how's he achieved? Like you're saying, you still see me getting bigger yeah. and you're like, is he still natural? Yeah. But I'm doing something maybe in some regards that not a lot of people do. I'm focusing on my sleep every night. I'm focusing on my food. So if you're ticking all them boxes, a lot can be achieved naturally. And I think as well, like, and I've said this uh, during the lockdown period as well, your attitude when going to the gym it's like your therapy yeah exactly like, that, it, like, yeah. It, like when you're in that gym and yeah. you lift some heavy weights <laughs> but again you're doing it because it's your therapy yeah you're not doing it for anyone else you're doing it for your therapy and it's, yeah, like, it's exactly. again you're doing it to release some that anger but then actually yeah. the positive no, outlook of that no is no it matter helps you. what i'm going through in a day or going through that week I look forward to that time in the gym because if I'm going through a tough time i can release my frustrations and i can just channel it in there and no matter what, no matter how I feel going into the gym, I'll always feel better coming out. Honestly, like, mate, this has been a fantastic conversation. <laughs> I've, mate, I've really, really enjoyed this. One final question. Uh, I ask all my guests, yeah. and again, normally if we just talk about the bodybuilding, I wouldn't have asked this, but yeah. again, I want to know your opinion on this or advice for people. Um, what advice would you give to someone listening right now that does feel uh, stuck and out of control with their life? So in terms of feeling the lowest of the lows, I think there's two things that you can do. And I think the first one is speak to someone, whether it's one person, whether it's a few people. Uh, and, and that's for two reasons, really. The first being that, like I say, for me, hiding it from people was causing anxiety. Um, when you speak to someone and share your problem, it's quite empowering because now 
I've escaped that anxiety. I've shared it with someone. It's like a weight off my shoulders. I haven't got to hide it. It's a huge weight in it. So that'll be empowering in itself. Um, And then the second reason for doing that for me is just because when you are literally at the lowest of the lows, just knowing that someone cares can be enough to keep you going. Absolutely. So definitely speak to people. and, um, And then I'd say later down the line, you want to start to look at ways to make your daily habits align with where you want to go long term as well. That's so. a big thing. Like who do you actually want to become? Exactly. What kind of person do you want to become and what kind of habits would that person do? Yeah. Like be that kind of person, do the things they'll do and you'll have those things. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Mate, where can people find out more information about you? Obviously I know you've got a YouTube channel, but where what's your Instagram? What's your YouTube channel? Yep. So my Instagram is just my name, David Langsdale with an underscore at the end, and the YouTube channel is just my name as well. So yeah, just on both of those. Awesome. I get Mike to ping it all across the bottom of the screen. It'll also be in the show notes as well. Uh Dave, thank you very much for your time today, mate. Thank you for having awesome. me on. Honestly, it's been an honor. I was really nervous about coming on opening up about this stuff but just like when we sat in the pub the conversation just flows with you mate it's It's a pleasure talking to you thank you very much we'll have to do this again sometime yeah definitely